pleasure to introduce Pastor Adele. And she's going to, before she comes, she's going to come up and give us a fantastic message of hope. So I thank you, Pastor Adele. Thanks, Di. I'm back, everyone. (laughs) Okay, thanks, Di. But like I say, Pastor Mel and Jacob are away, um, and we look forward to seeing them next week. But I'm excited to be able to come and and share a message with you all this morning. And I'm particularly excited about this message because this is something that God's really working in my life as well at the minute. So hopefully uh, we'll all learn something this morning, (laughs) me included. So let's start in a word of prayer, guys. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word that's alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. We thank you, um, Lord, that you gave us your word, your promises to stand on, Father. And I just pray, as I speak your word this morning, Father, I pray you minister to the hearts of your children, Father. Speak to their hearts. Speak to their situations, Father. And I pray for breakthrough this morning, Father, in whatever area that we might be struggling with. I pray these words don't fall away from us when we walk out of the church building. I pray we embrace them and they stay with us and they really begin to transform us, Lord. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, who has a holiday book this year? Does anyone have a holiday book this year? We do. We love our holidays, don't we? Me and my family, we love our annual holidays. And our favorite destination at the moment is Pemberton. Any shout out for Pemberton? (laughs) My kids are trying to talk me to go to Preverly, but Pemberton, it is next time. Well, I can tell you in our house that there's two types of packers. There's two types of holiday packers. Okay, so type one is the type that takes five minutes to pack. They actually pack on the morning that we go away. And it's maybe five items and, um, you know, they can fit in um, the size of a child's backpack, that type of packer. (laughs) And then there's the type two holiday packer who who starts maybe a month before the holiday, just laying things out on the bed, you know, and... um, Packs enough clothes in case it rains, snows, is sunny, sleeting, all in the same day. Because, you know, you just never know what you're going to need. Amen? <laughs> well, you might have guessed by now that I'm the type 2 packer in our house. And Rob is the type 1 packer. And I never really learn because half the stuff that I take away with me, I don't need. Yeah? And it kind of just gets in the way. <laughs> Denise is giving me a frantic way from the back. <laughs> you feel me. That's good. But then when we're talking about international travel, who remembers aeroplanes? Who remembers international travel? Some of us are still getting back on them now. So remember, when it comes to international travel, well, that's when things really start to be a problem because our excess baggage starts to cost us, right? We have to pay. It begins to weigh us down. and And it begins to get in the way of us moving forward on our journey. And, you know, we've all seen them at the, at the airport. I've been there, the shame of the type two packers unzipping the suitcase, frantically trying to pull things out. <laughs> what can I get rid of? What don't I need? What can I let go of that's going to make me lighter so I can move forward on my journey? The title of my message this morning is, It's Time to Let Go. It's time to let go. You see, the holiday packing is an illustration of the unseen baggage that we all carry around with us, right? The unseen baggage that we all carry around with us. And this baggage, we can begin to collect 
and grab a hold of from such an early age, can't we? When we're children, even, and it comes in the forms of people's words that are spoken over us, people's behaviors towards us, people's actions towards us, our experiences, our memories, the feelings that are attached to that. We all collect this baggage in the journey of life that we carry around with us for years, decades even. We just carry it around with us. And even though what we're holding onto doesn't serve us, doesn't serve us at all. In fact, it does the complete opposite. It begins to cost us. It begins to weigh us down and it hinders us from moving forward fully in our journey with God. For some of us this morning, it's time to let go. It's time to let go. The word of God tells us in Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let us throw off everything, everything that hinders us. Now, the book of Hebrews, we understand, was written for um, Gentile Christians, but also um, Jewish Christians that are converted from Judaism over to Christianity. And there was a lot of pressure for them to still conform and to the to the ways of their old lives to the to the laws and the and the traditions and the religion of Judaism and, and you know Paul is saying hey look now Jesus Christ has come it is time to let go of some of that stuff that weighs you down and holds you back the word of God through this passage speaks to us today and says look now Jesus Christ has come it is time to throw off some stuff that's weighing us down that's holding us back and that is costing us and yes contextually it might be different but it still weighs us down just as much the bad experiences the hurt the pain the unforgiveness what someone has said to us the way someone has treated us the rejection the betrayal it's time to let go and throw off what hinders us why so we can run in fullness into the life that Jesus Christ came to bring each and every one of us you know we will never be able to fully move forward into the purposes the promises and the plan of God for our life while we are holding on to that which weighs us down costs us and hinders us from moving forward Back in the story of Exodus, we all, most of us will know the story of Exodus. And we know that the Hebrew people were um, enslaved by the Egyptians. They were keeping them captive. They were their physical oppressors until God showed up. Amen? Until God showed up and he chose a man named Moses who he could work through. And with miracles and signs and wonders, he freed his people from the grip of their oppressors of their physical oppressors. Why? To follow him, to serve him, to be like him and to bring his glory and his promises to the world around them. And we know the story that God parted the Red Sea and he brought his people safely through and into the wilderness where they said, 
in, in Exodus 16, if only we died by the Lord's hands in Egypt. <laughs> there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you've brought us out into this desert to starve this the entire assembly to death. They couldn't let go. They were still looking back to Egypt. They couldn't let go. They moved to the bottom of Mount Sinai where Moses went up to interact with God. And because he was taking too long, the people began to worship golden calves like they did in Egypt. They couldn't let go. They couldn't let go. God saved them, freed them, redeemed them, had a race marked out for them that was full of life and purpose, but they couldn't let go. And we know that generation died in the wilderness and they never entered the fullness and the promises of God. You see, you and I don't have physical oppressors. We don't have physical captors, but we sure do have unseen oppressors, don't we? We sure do have unseen things that are keeping us captive and oppressed. He says in Peter, um, Second Peter, for you are a slave to whatever controls you. Whatever it is that's controlling you, you are a slave to that. Whatever it is that you're carrying around that's dictating to you how to live your life, that is controlling you. Sin, unforgiveness, regret, shame, guilt, whatever it may be, you fill in the blank. We all struggle with things. But here's the good news. Here's the gospel. Jesus showed up. Amen. Jesus showed up and he chose men and women he could work through. And with great signs and miracles and wonders and by the power of his death and resurrection, he freed us. He freed a people from the grip of their spiritual oppressors. Why? To follow him, to serve him, to be like him, to shine his glory and promises to the people around us. Do you see the comparison? Do you see the comparison? Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament picture of Exodus. Jesus Christ is the new Exodus that came to save all of mankind. For whoever should call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus freed us, redeemed us, rescued us, has a race marked out for us that is full of life and purpose. But will we continue to hold on to what should have been released in Egypt? Will we continue to hold on to what should have been left in Egypt. Can we let go of where we've come from? Can we let go of what we used to be? Can we let go of the pain and the experiences and everything that hinders us so we can be the generation that walks and runs into the fullness of God? Amen? Jesus shouts in John 7, anyone, anyone who is thirsty, come to me. Come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Guys, I don't know about you, but how often do we come to the well of living water to drink, but we can leave thirsty and unsatisfied? How often do we come but go away unsatisfied? Could it be that the vessel we're trying to draw from is full? It's already full. It's full of our own stuff. It's full of the stuff we should have let go of. And we've no room to receive Jesus. We've no room to receive the living water from the well. 
And that might have been your question. It might be your question this morning. Jesus, what's wrong? What's wrong with me? He says, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just time to let go. It's time to let go. So you have room for me. (laughs) So you have room for me. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Philippians 3. Now, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. He says, I'm focused. I'm focused on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. He was focused. He was purposeful. He was intentional about letting go so he could grab a hold of what Jesus Christ had for him, of what lay ahead. We need, we need free hands, guys. We need free hands to grab a hold of what Jesus Christ has for us. Are we all okay? <laughs> it's quiet. <laughs> we need free hands. So let me highlight what I think are a few of the big ones for us. And I know there can be many, but we're a time frame here. So let me just highlight a few that I think get in our way. Number one, we need to let go of living in the past. We need to let go of living in the past. And this can sometimes be confusing, can't it? Because the Bible tells us to look back and remember. Remember, look back, look back. And here's what I'm learning, that a momentary glance is motivated and faith-filling, but a permanent gaze back in the past leaves us paralyzed to move forward in the future. A momentary glance is motivating, but a gaze to the past leaves us paralyzed. It's good to remember. It's good to remember the goodness of God. It's good to talk about the goodness of God. It builds our faith. But it's not good to stay there. It's not good to stay stuck in the past. Our Christian journey is progressive. It's moving. Jesus says, follow me. It's moving. We're going forward. And here's another thing about permanently looking back in the past. If we're constantly looking back there, it sounds so obvious, we're going to miss what God is doing in the present, aren't we? We're going to miss what God is trying to bring into our lives. Isaiah 43 says, see, I am doing a new thing. I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Are you and I missing what God is doing in our life because we're holding on and looking back. And, you know, sentimental feelings, this nostalgia that we can have sometimes for the past, it can be a really beautiful thing, but it can also be a very limiting thing if it leaves us stuck there, right? If it leaves us stuck there. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, there's a season for everything. There's a a season for every activity under heaven. This journey of life that we go through has seasons. And you know, the obvious thing about seasons is they change. They change, right? And we need to be able to change and embrace the season that we're in and that we move to and let go of the season that was. We must be willing to change so we can embrace the new thing that God is bringing 
so we can embrace the new perspective that he's trying to bring to us, the new understanding so we can receive the new revelation he's trying to bring into our life for where we're at at the moment. And you know, for some of us, it might not be nice, warm, fuzzy feelings that has us held in the back. It might, uh, past. It might be the pain of the past. The painful things that we've been through that has us stuck there in the past. We're hurt. We've been mistreated or even abused by people. And that's not right. Nobody's saying that's right. And what other people may have done is wrong. But God is saying your destiny is not locked in your past. Your destiny is locked in your future. What happened to you in your past does not define you. I define you. Your past does not determine your future. I determine your future. It's time to let go. It's time to let go of what was. You know, for some of us, it's time to let go of winter. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even do that up when it, yeah, winter. It's time for us to let go of winter so we can embrace spring and the new thing God is birthing in our life, the new growth in our life. For, for some of us, it's time to let go of summer. So we can embrace autumn and the pruning and what God wants to, to take out of our hearts so we become, can become more fruitful and more plentiful when we step into the next season. Amen? Amen. God's good. We need to let go of living in the past so we can keep moving forward. Another thing we need to let go of, we need to let go of the need for certainty. Ooh. <laughs> Some people are like, ooh, didn't like that one. We need to let go of the need for certainty. You know, some of us, like all our ducks lined up in a row, don't we? <laughs> we like to know the ducks, how many of the ducks, what's the names, all the ducks are there. We just need to know all our ducks are lined up in a row. We have plans, we, ha we know what's going to happen. Can I have the bigger picture, please, God? Just all laid out in front of me, and then I'll be able to take a step, <laughs> and I can see it all laid out nicely. And in a way, it gives us a sense of control, doesn't it? A sense of safety and security. And unless we just know them plans, <laughs> unless our ducks are quacking to us, we're not prepared. We're not prepared to take a step. We're not prepared to let go of what feels like safety and security. And I'm not saying it's bad to make plans. It's fine to make plans. I'm just saying let's not hold on to these plans so tightly that we become too afraid to let them go to God and step into the uncertainty. Because, guys, God is still God in the uncertainty. Amen? God is still God in the uncertainty. Corrie Ten Boom, some of you may know her. She was a captive in a Nazi um, prison concentration camp. Her sister died there. Most of her family died in the concentration camp. She said, you can always trust an unknown future to a known God. You can always trust an unknown future to a known God. We don't need to know everything that's ahead of us when we know who God is. Amen? We don't need to know everything that's ahead of us when we know who God is. We can trust him to let go of our need for certainty. 
because here's what I'm learning, and some of you may already know that. If God is asking you to let go of something, it's because he's got something bigger on the other side of your letting go. Amen? If God is asking you to move out in uncertainty, it's because he's going to move on the other side of your step of faith. If God has disrupt your plans to take you somewhere you didn't intend to go. It's because he's building you to take you where he's go- where he wants you to go next. Amen? We need to let go of the rope of certainty because there is there's a certain level of revelation you're only going to get through stepping into the unknown with God, from letting go of that need for certainty and safety taking a step of faith into the unknown with God. There's a certain um, level of revelation you're only going to get by doing that. There's a certain level of experiencing him and his goodness that you're only going to get by taking a step of faith. The um, pastor of Bethel Church, Bill Johnson, do we know Bill Johnson? Bethel Church, a lot of us probably do. His wife died um, of cancer a couple of days ago. It was very sad, and, you know, it wasn't his plan, obviously, you know. He's in the uncertainty now of grief and loss, but he's still loving God. He's still following God. He's still faithful to God. Three days after his wife passed, he got up and preached a sermon to his church. And he says, the level, he said in his sermon, the level of revelation God gives you will always be equal to the level of mystery you're willing to live with. The level of mystery you're willing to live with and the inability to live with mystery is your resistance to childlike faith. Is your resistance to childlike faith and it is childlike faith that gives us access to dimensions and realms of the kingdom that we can't get in any other way. It is childlike faith that gives us access to dimensions and realms of the kingdom that we cannot get in any other way. Maybe God is saying to you and I today, it is time to let go and trust me like a child. Trust me with childlike faith. It is time to let go of the idea that you need to have it all together because Christ is able. Amen? Christ is able. Will we let go of the need for certainty so we can take hold of faith again? Will we let go of the need for certainty so we can take hold of belief and wonder and awe again in who God is? Will we let go and free fall just like children into the mystery of God's grace? Will we free fall into the mystery of God's goodness and love and mercy, because it, because it is only in the falling that you will experience God has always had a hold of you. God has always had a hold of you. And it is only in the falling that you will experience what Paul knew, that his grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for you, and it always will be. And lastly, we need to let go of unforgiveness. (laughs) Can I get an amen? (laughs) We need to let go of unforgiveness, don't we? And this, we, look, we all struggle with this, right? Let's get real. We can hold on to hurt and anger. 
towards people and the way that they've treated us. And it's, it's hard to forgive. It can be a struggle to forgive because the pain's real, right? The pain's real and the pain needs validating. Being mistreated is wrong. Being abused is wrong. That needs recognizing. But holding on to unforgiveness only holds us captive, right? Holding on to unforgiveness only holds us captive. Holding on to unforgiveness opens the door in our life for other destructive things, right? Such as bitterness, anger, guilt, resentment. But when we have the capacity to release someone, then we make room for God to bring his healing in our life. When we trust God to be the vindicator, we give him room to validate and restore us. When we're able to release a situation, we make room for God to make what the enemy intended for evil and turn it to good. When we forgive, we open the door in our life to freedom, joy, peace, rest, compassion, and mercy. The disciples asked in Jesus, in the disciples asked Jesus even in Matthew, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother and sister who sins against me? Up to up to seven times. <laughs> we thought that was reasonable. Up to seven times. Jesus answers, I tell you not seven, but seventy-seven times. Now, I don't think Jesus is saying here, when you get to 77 times and you've hit your quota and that's you done, then you can start just holding on to unforgiveness. No, I think he's saying it's a perpetual lifestyle that we need to learn how to live and walk in is just to release and forgive people. And why? Because we remember that we've been forgiven much. We remember that we've been forgiven much and his grace is always sufficient for us to be able to do what God's calling us to do. Amen. The first step in forgiveness is deciding. It's a decision. That's the first step is to decide. I'm going to let go of unforgiveness so I can take hold of what God has for me. You could come up, actually, team. Thank you. Let me just take a little drink. when Jesus was hanging on the cross, betrayed, beaten, broken, rejected, humiliated, he could only manage to say a few things. One of the things he said was, Father, Forgive them. Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they're doing. And then they divided up his clothes by casting lots. You know, the interesting thing about this was the people weren't asking to be forgiven, were they? They weren't even asking for Jesus' forgiveness. They were busy dividing up his clothes, the plunder. They weren't asking for his forgiveness. Why would you forgive someone who's not even asking to be forgiven? Maybe Jesus knew 
to unforgiveness as really about them. Maybe Jesus knew that in three days, God was going to give him something bigger to do. And he couldn't afford to carry something with him through to the resurrection as, as he was about to usher in salvation for the whole of mankind. He needed to be light so he could keep moving forward. Joseph. Do we know Joseph in the Old Testament? We know that story, most of us. He was betrayed by his family thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, you know, rejected and betrayed on, on a level that we will probably never understand, you know. You know, Joseph named his first son Manasseh because God has caused me to let go. Manasseh literally translates to me, I've let it go. I've let it go because God is about to use me to save a nation. And I need to be able to carry his anointing and favor and blessing and grace. I can't carry my own forgiveness and bitterness into that situation. I need to let it go. I need to be able to carry his anointing. The apostle Paul says, I'm putting it down. I'm laying that down and I'm looking forward. I'm not looking at what I used to be. I'm not looking at what I used to do. I forgive myself. I forgive myself so I can move forward and I can evangelize the Mediterranean from where the gospel of Jesus Christ will spread to the outer ends of the world and the global church of Jesus Christ will be born. Wow. God is so big. God is so big. And he has a plan for your life that is big. He has a plan for your life that we can't comprehend and bigger than anything we can think or ask he has a purpose for your life he has a destiny for your life he has a fullness of life that he wants you to step into and receive and God is saying to you and he's saying to me today it's time to let go it's time to let go and make room for what I want to bring in your life Can we stand up, guys, and just begin to worship God?